This podcast is supported by Red Energy, powered by the mighty Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Red is 100% Australian owned and local. Phone 131 806. Clearly this seems to be federally inspired, this story. Somehow come through the federal branch of the ALP. It's not so much what was involved in the act, it's the act itself, isn't it? Illegal, treacherous, really inappropriate. The media boxes are very sad and sorry affair. There wasn't even milk in the fridge for a cup of tea. No. I know, everybody had to bring their own food. Who is the poor bugger who's sitting in the control box Watching this game like a hawk going, he's about to mark it. I'm going to press button A, which is whoa. The thing about winter, Corrie, and these tough times, the chicken chop is your friend. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corrie Perkin. Thanks to Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call 131 806 for real Aussie energy. Welcome, everybody, to episode 132 of Don't Shoot the Messenger. I'm Caroline Wilson. Hello, Corrie Perkin. Hello, Caro. How are you going? Look, there's a lot to talk about this week. There's a Victorian government scandal. Football's back with all the related social and sporting and economic issues. We've got a fabulous new recipe. You've got more screen. When when will Netflix and Stan, when will they run out of brilliant oh, productions? And, but I can't wait to be here one day and say, Cara, I went to the movies last night and I saw this great film. Where, three weeks, four weeks? Whenever. I know. Can't wait. Well, well you know, it was funny. Um, on Sunday night, the, the Dramana drive-in welcomed all the St Kilda supporters who were because the Saints were playing on Sunday night. And it was such a great idea. You had to be a member. You had to go in, you know, you went in the car, they tooted the horns when goals were scored. All three screens showed the big St Kilda Bulldogs game and they won, you know, they won easily. So it would have been a great night. But often I drive past that Dramana Drive-In and I've been wondering over the last three months, why haven't they been open? Mm, I don't know. It's interesting, Because it? you can sit in a car on your own or with a family member. You're allowed to do that. They need to open. I Where have young couples gone to kiss? Well, I, I've, I used to love going to that drive-in. and I love, To kiss? Well, no, just to watch movies. I mean, we used to have great fun. I well, know. Remember? Oh, we always used to try and sneak in under rugs. Full of, you know, well, dare I say soft drinks, so naughty, or food. I, I don't know. But it was always great fun. And I wonder why they didn't open during lockdown. But anyway, I'm looking forward to that. And I've got a very, very, I've got a very, not, not a trashy read, a lovely, easy read, book to talk about. So heaps is going on, Corrie. But- Caro, there's been lots of love for you on the Instagram account, Birthday Wishes. So Lots of people have said happy birthday to you, and I hope you've had a continued wonderful week in the Festival of Caro. Um, quite a number of our uh, listeners, of course, Caro, have commended you for acknowledging publicly that you're 60, which I think it's curious because I never think about people dodging the age issue, but I suppose there's a perception, maybe through popular culture, I'm not sure, that people women who are in the public eye and usually in the entertainment industry on television or film or something, they dodge the issue of their age. And I do know a couple of famous actors who have dropped a couple of years as time has gone on. Male or female? Female. Sharon Stone in an interview the other day saying you were 62. Are you kidding? (laughs) Are you kidding, Sharon? find that a bit weird. Still got some lovely flowers just lingering around the house. Oh, it's been a lovely few oh, weeks. Oh, that's great. Gillian Edney who says that she loves the way you're celebrating and loving being 50 and the way we both reflect on the... Sorry, 60. 
oh, Dale, see, to me, you're just 50. <laughs> uh, and she says the, the way we reflected on the joys of adult decades, which is really nice. Sad that Corrie will have to wait so long to catch up. Mm, you're right, Jilly. It's going to come around years. quickly. And Gab, well, not exactly years, Corrie, months. Gab at Gabriel via, sorry, Gab E. Gabriel via Instagram Um her first ex-ISO party is a 50th tomorrow. She's off to the races, a small party at home in Brisbane, to, I guess, to watch the races. She's making my chicken sangers. So, oh, and the photo... Well, that, no, she did. That was the first Instagram message she sent us, and then she did make them, and there's a little comment there under that beautiful photograph. I think they put mine in mind to shame, Gab. They look absolutely beautiful. And, look, I've, had, I've been admonished for my seed admission in you have indeed weeks. by Diane W on Facebook. Thanks for um, getting in touch with us. Diane says, I'm completely devastated by Caro's unashamed and illegal act of, as she describes herself, the smuggling into our country plant material that threatens our farmers and flora. So upset at the cavalier attitude and lack of respect to Australia. Now, th- this is in reference to you bringing in seeds from Cornwall last year. From the year. Lost Gardens of Heligan. In fact, I, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm, Diane, I hadn't really thought about the fact I was doing damage to Australia. Well, I'm sorry, but you've, you've sullied my name here and Anna and Trudy's. She says, did your friends know before and did they do nothing? No, well, I actually didn't bring them in via the luggage. I was. And you didn't tell us you were doing. Well, no, of course I didn't. Well, I actually didn't know I was doing anything wrong. They were, they were packaged up in beautiful little gift boxes, and inside that sealed plastic. And Jane's looking at me very doubtfully here. The sport of gardening doesn't want to be associated with this at all. And I posted them back with some other stuff I'd bought at a local gallery. So I actually didn't carry them in my case. Is it worse to post them? Well, I think you probably would have assumed that customs would have been all over it and it would, if they weren't okay, they would have been taken away. I don't know what no, you assumed. No, I didn't know what I... I, mean, I didn't know what you were up well, to. Well, I, I, I wasn't sure. Look, I, I certainly... I thought you were smuggling cheesy why, feet. Why am I doing... Why am I doing... could do with a good cheesy foot right oh, now. Oh, that was a great discovery of mine, that bakery. I'm sorry, Diane, I'm not laughing. I won't do it again. It was two very small packs of seeds. They were in plastic and then in boxes. And I'm um, I'm sorry. Mm. I apologise. And Corrie Culper, well not Mayor Culper. And Corrie didn't know. Corrie didn't know. Now Corrie, um challenges. How is June going for you? Well, Mr Kitten goes to town. I've had progress. I've had a number of correspondents commenting about what they think should happen what sort of character or animal the nemesis should be. Brendan the Bandicoot? No. No, I think he's going to be Roland the Dingo, but I'm still working on that one. But I oh, have made, it be I a have dingo? Made That's some... a big political statement. Colleague. Oh, or my lordy, statement. it's a children's book. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't go with a dingo. They have such a great pointy face. Bandicoots oh. are too small. Anyway, look, to be worked mm. out, but I have made some progress. I've made my cast of characters. And I think I've got to – I know why he's going to town. I know all that. So all the suggestions about – thank you, Mandy, who sent in a, um, sent in a message. Uh, one of our lovely potties said, I've got it. Mr Kitten could be visiting bookstores when in town. That's what he can do, and he can weave an adventure around that. Well, no, Mandy, he's not going to the bookstore. Thanks, anyway. Uh, I have all that, but I've just I've, – I've, I'm just missing my um, – my moment of climax, which is the crime, I say in inverted commas, the thing that gets Mr. Kitten in a pickle. Don't please don't send any suggestions, everyone, because I'll get there in the end. 
but I was sitting on my bed thinking about this long and hard about what could be a crime that was acceptable to children, nothing too sinister, something slightly funny, a bit naughty. But suddenly I realised, oh, I'm really getting into a world of political correctness here by embarking upon a children's book. Yes, well, the dingo certainly, I think, is going to be oh, a really? very Do controversial you? step. But Bodies, anyway, can you tell us how you feel about dingoes? Are they are they okay to have them as my nemesis? Well, they've had a fairly important part in our um, popular culture and social. Can I just explain? Can I just explain? history. <laughs> Roland is a rogue Thai salesman, and his ties are not made of silk; they're made of polyester. Oh, you, no, we're giving too much of the plot away here. But it well, sounds no, but I just, like I don't, well I don't want to say it. that, you know, the dingo got my kitten or something. Like, <laughs> I hope not. I'm sorry to laugh. I'm sorry to laugh. I'm really looking forward to reading this book. Um, well, How's your challenge going? Well, I'm just starting as I mean to go on, Corrie. Oh. <laughs> I'm just doing it all. I, didn't you love the way on the phone the other day I quoted you back to yourself? I'm... I'm going on as I'm... What was it? I didn't even know how to say. I'm counting my blessings. I'm doing every cliche under the book. I'm trying to live a... um Sort of lockdown life, post lockdown, and you I know even get your cliche right then. I know because you said every cliche under the book. Would that be under the sun? Under the sun or in, in the, the book. book? That's it. Well done. Sorry, <laughs> done it again. No, look, I've had. A, I've had a, not smoking those seeds of yours from Cornwall. Um, oh, look, they are. They are. Be interested to see if they actually flower. The no, the corn, the corn flowers were beautiful, and now Diane the Diane will come knocking. She'll up. take photographs. No, I know. I won't do it so again. So you should, Diane. I, I, I obviously didn't understand what I was doing, and they were very much sealed. I don't really understand what it's doing. But anyway. Do as you mean to go on. I've just been – I've done some more beautiful walks. I've discovered more parts of the Yarra. I've discovered more parts of Melbourne. You know, a friend of mine the other day with the walking, you know how you were doing the waterways of Melbourne – a friend was embarking with um, some other friends on the back lanes of Melbourne, the city, just oh, doing yes. a, a lovely sort of Saturday morning walk around all the city. La- I thought that was a great well, it's idea. It's a great idea now because sadly there are so few people in the CBD. But starting as you mean to go on, I think I need to add to this, as I said to another friend yesterday, you need to set yourself one yucky task every day or one horrible phone call every day. And when I mean horrible, I don't mean ringing a contact who you've had a blue with, in my case, you know, over a story. But um, doing something that you have to get done that is incredibly boring and that this corona period has sort of allowed you to put off with no real guilt. There's so much stuff. Well, there are a lot of clericals like that. Uh, there is a there there is a pile of, Corrie, of pieces of paper the, and correspondence. The GP... The dentist, oh, the car, you know how I feel about ca- getting my car serviced, the car getting serviced. There's about five different medical the procedures The local council, the car have. permit that you have to renew. Did that, did that last week. Um, that, that's actually quite simple. You just tick a box. It's, not, it's actually not that hard. You know I still send checks in the mail. I happily happily walked off to my letterbox and posted it off. But um, no, it's just, yeah, there's a lot of things that you went, well, I can't go to the dentist, so... Oh, well, can't so do that. So corona's catching up with us. It, it is. It is. But anyway, Corrie, let's move to the issue of the week. 60 Minutes in the Age broke a brilliant story led by Nick McKenzie on Sunday night. Basically, it was all about branch stacking, something that's been going on forever. They say happens on both sides of government, both sides of politics, but Labor is particularly famous for. And it's taken down three Victorian government ministers 
Mr Somurak went immediately on Monday morning, tried to say he resigned, but he was sacked, been expelled from the party. After he was caught on camera, which we'll talk about in a second, the ethics of that, but slamming everybody, sexist comments, homophobic comments, anti Albanese and anti-leader comments. Oh, you haven't heard the the a mole used in um in vernacular. No, no. And um, on Tuesday, Marlene Carews. Now she's the one who said years ago. I'm sure she said something about beware people with Irish accents at your yeah, front she door. Yes, she did. She did. Was that her? Yeah, yeah, that was her. So she's she's fallen on her sword very unwillingly and says she's going to fight to clear her name, as um, does Robin Scott as yes. well. He and also it, resigned. And um, the the next instalment has basically got stories about um, grants, grants going to various organisations. But Nick McKenzie has, in the age, very fairly said on Wednesday morning that um, there's no suggestion that any of these groups are not deserving of these and, and there's no suggestion there was any sort of illegal or... And, they, and it's a small amount of money in the scheme of things. So I think the worst is over. Well, yes, Andrews. but it's the, it's, the, it's the sort of the... It, it's not so much what was involved in the act, it's the act itself, isn't it? Um, illegal, treacherous, um, really inappropriate, really inappropriate. When this story broke on Sunday night, Caro, I had, my first thought was, oh, not Labor Party branch stacking yet again because we saw all that in New South Wales in recent times. And my second thought was, poor Brendan, your husband, just when he thought he was walking into a cushy, easy job with Daniel Andrews. Oh, well, no, I no, I, <laughs> in the I, media department, this story breaks. But um, look, I don't think he was ever walking into a cushy, easy job. No, <laughs> I don't. I think you've completely got that one wrong. But um, oh, look, it's been a it's been a massive story, oh, and yeah, Brendan's huge. been pretty busy this week because Parliament's been sitting as well. So of course, it's the perfect storm for the state government. Um, particularly after they'd just announced, you know, a new raft of opening up corona yeah, restrictions. Yeah, and back and everything. So and, was... and we've had more positive cases this week. So it's been a, it's been a tough week. But it cl- seems to me, I mean, I, I don't know because I haven't discussed it with Brendan, but, and I actually sat with Nick McKenzie in the makeup chair at Channel 9 on Monday and he clearly wasn't telling me. But clearly this seems to be federally inspired, this story. It's somehow come through the federal branch of the ALP. It's sort of, and it's the it feds who are coming like in to clean it up. It seems a bit like that, doesn't it? Because he's Al- obviously Albanese upset someone was, federally. Well, he's he's up. I think he's upset a number of people. Sonyurak, yes. Adam Sonyurak has been involved uh, at both levels of, even though he's a, a Victorian parliamentarian. Well, when you're a kingmaker, you don't oh. don't want to upset people when they miss out on jobs. That is hilarious. I mean, that goes back to one of the great kingmakers of all. Thomas Cromwell, who we know so well in Hilary Mantel's Wolf Hall trilogy, who was the right-hand man, the kingmaker of Henry VIII, and was um, integral in uh, the formation of the Church of England Church. What a poor excuse for a kingmaker this bloke is. I mean, I think the one thing that has um, resonated with me, the real negative is that he was allowed back into the ministry after the bullying allegations last time around. Well, don't you think he out. just played the game so beautifully to get back in? He had something on somebody. Well, well I don't think, I don't think, it, what I didn't understand, which I've now explained, now I'm understanding through reading it in the age, is that it's not up to the Premier to appoint, it caucus votes people into the ministry after you win an election. And he was voted back in by mm. the caucus. So now we have lots the, of favours there. So the feds are sending in two of their best 
to clean up the party. Is that right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And look, I have to say, Caro, that I am pretty impressed by a couple of people who have stood out here to me. One is um, our uh, Michael O'Brien, who is the opposition leader in Victoria, who I would have to say a lot of Victorians may not be familiar with Michael O'Brien. I think he has really uh, been, in the last couple of nights anyway, they've given him a pretty fair go on all the media and he has been succinct in his message. And so well done him. And the other one who has kind of surprised me is Anthony Albanese. As you said, perhaps there was some federal intervention at an early time in the breaking of this story. But boy, oh boy, has he moved quickly and he's gang up in Canberra uh, appointing Steve Brax and Jenny Macklin. First thing to do a big overview and an investigation into the Victorian ALP, but also just sending out a message to voters. We can... we do not agree with this behaviour. This is not why people joined the Labor Party. Most people who join the Labor Party want to make an, want to better people's lives, particularly in health and education and transport. Uh, they are committed um, to a particular agenda of social reform. This is not the way we behave in the Labor Party. And that message was pretty strong and I thought he did quite a good job in what could have been the most difficult most difficult week of all, with especially with Victorian Parliament sitting this week. So the problem going forward is that um, although Adam Samurak has been expelled from the party, he's still going to be agitating from the sidelines because he doesn't lose his seat. He's, conti- you know, all of those, the, the tricky um, minutiae of politics means that he's very much still in the frame. I mean, Daniel Andrews couldn't have been more definitive in how he dealt with it. And I'm not saying that through any form of bias. I mean, they're all gone by wind, by Tuesday, all yeah. three of them. Um, and, and I kind of wish that he'd. Um, I kind of wish that he'd sort of sacked um, Marlene Carews. But anyway, I, I understand. Um, I think. I think probably, she, was, she was pushed. Maybe. I, I don't. Think, <laughs> I don't think because on Monday willingly. she was emphatic that she was not going. She was going to stay where she was. But Carol, I wondered what as a, putting on the journal hat now. Your views on the ethics of hidden cameras? I must say, in the sixty minutes report, the most riveting part of that was. Uh, was the uh, arrival at the ATM and the withdrawing of all of these $50 notes and how everything oh, was sort of unfolded there. But also having cameras and microphones inside a federal member's office where one of the meetings occurred. Good thing, bad thing that we are now, are we stooping this low or is it in the public interest? Look, it's, it's interesting. I mean, and and the question of the legality has been debated for days. And I heard Nick McKenzie say in one interview, I think on 3AW, I hope people don't focus on that as opposed to what is what it has exposed. I mean, does the end justify the means? I sort of think it does in this case. And clearly this guy was set up. Clearly someone has set out to get him. But if you're going to be exposing something that is complete, well, it, it just seems totally corrupt well, illegal. to Illegal, that's right. And charges could be laid. So. Yep. So, um, yeah, I, I think it was probably um, dodgily gathered, not by Nick McKenzie himself, but obviously he mm. got the story. Who were the people or who was the person who had it in for I think Adam? he. I think he was, um, I think the age and 60 Minutes were pretty happy the story held as well as it did because the timing of it was absolutely brilliant. Um, as someone who, I, I was not gnashing my teeth 
when The Age and Channel 9 joined forces as media organisations. And I know that um, it's now called Nine Media and the term Fairfax has gone forever. I didn't lament the loss of the term Fairfax. I mean, I think the Fairfax board did not do a great job in its last years necessarily. And what we've got now are two quality brands working together. And this was the absolute perfect example of that. I mean, it was just absolutely not the first the way time though unfolded. the Age has teamed with a television program. They've always usually done things with the ABC and Four Corners, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was a great pooling of resources and talent, and a terrific story. And it's certainly what sent the Corona story off the and Nick, front Mc- pages. Nick McKenzie is an absolute gun. It's funny though watching, you know, people who work at the Age going on Channel 9 and we were sitting, as I said, in the makeup room together and he is a very well-presented chap and, you know, he's getting better and better at TV and, and of, you know, probably the best journo in the country at the moment. Or How in, many in awards have three. he and Richard Baker won together? I know. But it was funny, there's another, <laughs> another age journo who's a really good reporter who has a very thick, bushy beard and a lot of hair, a lot of facial hair, who went on recently... Um, to talk about a story he'd done on the 4pm news. And um, yeah, let's just say a couple of people in the makeup room were just looking on in absolute. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Oh. I mean, I think if, if you're going to work at a newspaper and you're now working in TV as well. No, you're talking to somebody who was once offered a job as a young reporter on Channel 10, Channel O, I think it even was in those days. And, uh, oh, Corrie, as, not Channel O. You were, were not offered it. You're not that old. Well, I was about 21. Yeah, I think it was still Channel 10 then, wasn't it? It was the year I did 40, I think. And I was offered a job and uh, the news director had coffee with me and talking through what would my what my role would be and it was a bit more money and that was quite exciting into the world of television. And he said, now just tell me about your hair. What would you do with your hair? So, you know, Caro, I have naturally curly hair and I didn't really start blow-waving it or doing do-ups or anything like that till I was in my late 20s. So I'm sitting there with Shirley Temple wacky hair and I thought, he's judging me on my hair. Mm, that would have been part of the vibe. I remember, I just, when, and I remember yeah. walking out going, God, I'm going to have to lose weight. I'm going to have to do something with my hair. This is... No, he's not really asking me about my journalistic ability and the fact that I've been the first woman in football stomping through male bastions to get a story. He's interested in my hair and can I tidy it up? <laughs> when I first sat down Probably with Probably one could say to really do... bad career move, Corey, to not go and accept that job. I would have said that's part of my vibe. McCurls are part of my vibe. <laughs> oh, well, I'm not at 21, you well, don't say that. No, well, when Eddie first had the idea, because Eddie McGuire was running Channel 9 when Footy Classified started, and he, he the original idea that both myself and Mike Sheehan were going to be on the show, and it sort of changed over various... So we had our first meeting. I think we had a meeting at Crown. And remember I'd just had braces put on my teeth? And I was about I was about thirty. I must have been about thirty seven or thirty eight, um, because I'd always hated my teeth and I, I'd had oh, them. You as were a bit older than that. Clem wasn't a baby. Well, didn't you have it in your forties? No, teeth? no. Well, I've been doing this show now. Sorry, you're right. It was I was in my forties. Yeah, because I remember. I, I remember. Maybe anyway, the store. I was about was your big thing 45, when you yeah, yeah. And I went in and sorry, Eddie, sorry to be and, and it was during we had the long talk about out. what the show was going to be, who was going to be on it, what it was going to stand for, and just at the end he goes, 
when did you uh, get uh, braces on, <laughs> braces on your teeth? I said, look, it's a long story, but this, you know, I, I've always if you hated... you want me, the braces come too. And he said, no, that's great. We'll turn it into a story. We'll make it a talking point. Well, I, the braces last for a year and no one really... some Because my mouth was slightly protruded because of the braces, people rang in and said I'd had sort of Botox. And Botox, <laughs> which I actually hadn't anyway. The braces lasted a year and he was, pretty, he was quite good and about them. And thank God the new teeth have lasted longer. Caro, footy is back. Speaking of footy. Oh, so this is, I've been dying to have a chat with you over the last few days about all of this. What a weird round. What weird results. Just weirdness generally. What was it like? So I you think feel, we should talk about what the, it was the, like for you to be at the ground and what it was like for me to be at home. But how did you feel with the passion of expectation come Wednesday, come Thursday morning, footies about... Did it feel the same for you? It was completely different to round one. And, you know, obviously nearly three months had passed between round one and round two. Again, I was driving to the MCG. Again, my team was involved. Again, I was going to be doing radio there. But the feeling of foreboding and dread I had in round one was just gone because even though I knew there weren't going to be crowds and even though I knew I, I knew what to expect... And I f- there is still a feeling, and I know it's not over, and there might be another spike, and the whole season could be. I don't think it's going to get delayed again. I felt that we were coming out of it, not going into it. So, um, but I've got to say. So, from a health perspective, you felt quite positive and upbeat. It was completely different in that perspective because mm. you have to go to um, near the members' entrance, you have to um, go and get, get a temperature check, you have to fill out a form on your phone, computer, whatever, take that form to another checkpoint after you've had your temperature checked. They go through, they list, they find you there. Yes, if if you hadn't applied to be at the game, you weren't going to be allowed Truths in. Truths and I had to do that in a local wristband. cafe the other day. We had to fill out a form because we sat down. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't yeah, it? it is. So the yellow wristband, which I don't know if that's going to happen every week, but you do, look, the positives are you get a park underneath the ground. <laughs> You get home in six minutes. Pretty good leaving the MCG and getting home in six minutes. What about the hot chips? I don't really do hot chips at the footy, Corrie. Were there any? It's been years. No, no, there's no food. The media boxes are very sad and sorry affair. There wasn't even milk in the fridge for a cup of tea. No. I know. Everybody had to bring their own food. Um, We each have our own headset now. So, you know, you don't just – a bit like sitting here today. You walk in and I just have to keep a headset in my car and no one else can use it but me. But, um, look, I'll be brutally honest. This is a sport that I think is so much better to watch live at a game than it is on TV. It's so much better on TV than watching at the ground at the moment. So much better because I didn't stay for the whole game. very poor experience. I went home and watched it the rest of it on TV because the way they've changed the camera angles from round one, they're, they're filming it from above so you're not seeing much of the empty seats. I think the noise and the accompanying sort of cheers except they did this loud roar when the game ended. <laughs> it was funny. And it was a draw. Yeah, I know. It was so funny at different times. I, you know, as I said to Pete, who is the poor bugger who's sitting in the control box watching this game like a hawk going, he's about to, he's about to, He's about to mark it. I'm going to press button A, which is whoa. But, but you press was, button it, B instead, which it was, is... It was nice and subtle, noise. though. Look, I, I thought overall it worked really well. When when it was a draw and there was a roar of tears, you go, no, that probably wouldn't have happened. Mm. And um, a couple of missteps, like poor old Luke Darcy on Triple M calling the replay because <laughs> Triple M didn't actually go to Geelong for the game to see your Hawks get belted. Oh, belted, Corrie. To see the tackle of the week, Burgoyne v... 
Dangerfield. Well, that was one of the three biggest stories to come out yeah, of the Yeah, so what, what do you think the three biggest stories were? Well, Sean Burgoyne should have been suspended anyway, in my view. They didn't have to change the rules. It was a sling tackle. Um, he slammed Patrick Dangerfield's head to the ground just because Dangerfield I is I did tough. roar at the time. I did think it was a great tackle. Oh, did you? Well. Oh, no, that, see, that's... The game says they're trying to in an old-fashioned way, and they're trying to protect the head. And then Michael Christian didn't have the guts. Even he said he didn't have the rules to support a suspension. He did, but anyway, he hid behind the lack of rules. And the AFL's now made, toughened up those rules, which will mean that in future Sean Burgoyne will be suspended. He should have been suspended. That was one of the biggest issues to come out of the round. The second biggest story to come out of the round was Matt Rowell, an 18-year-old former Carey student who's joined the Gold Coast as a number one draft pick. Look, if I'm, I can't bet on footy, but if you want to have a bet on the rising star, do it now. I mean, you could have done it straight after that game. He, that, I've never seen a, a game too. They're saying only Chris Yard probably was as exciting after two games of footy, and you just feel that maybe now finally the Gold Coast has got the winning formula. And, of course, that was probably... I would also say Luke Hodge was a pretty fabulous rising star. Yeah, but he didn't do much in his first year. But he won the rising star. Yeah, but he he didn't... He The first few games, no, he was not... He didn't set the world oh, on I fire Oh, I seem to remember us... I remember we used to walk down... When we lived in Hawthorne, we used to walk down to Glenferry Oval and watch training and... We were all very excited. I don't by remember him. whether or not he I mean, won, he the, won rising. the rising star. I don't remember yeah. whether or not he did that, but he no, he he was not. He did not have the impact. In fact, he Peter Schwab had to tell him to lift his game and work a bit harder because mm. he was a bit of a you know. I think mm. he liked partying with his mates a bit too much. He became a great champion, of course. Um, so Matt Rowell, and then the players taking a knee in support of Black Lives Matter, which you know. Some people didn't like, and some supporters carried on and but said then we they were had... going to toss in their memberships, which was ridiculous. And I love the fact that Fremantle and St Kilda said, "We'll get in touch with you on Monday and happily refund your money," which was great. But then we had the Eddie Betts, uh, you know, um, racial slurring incident as well. It just seems that whenever we well, go two on... steps forward on the issue of racial tolerance and um, and vilification with the AFL, there's always one step back. Yeah, oh, look, Eddie Betts is, you know, and, and you just cannot understand why of all people, people who take a pot shot at Eddie Betts, um, racially motivated, just, I mean, taking a pot shot at anyone on behalf of race is unbelievable. But it's an anathema to me that he's a player who has never upset anyone except for the opposition supporters when he kicks those unbelievable goals. He's a beautiful player, a beautiful man. Um, nobody deserves to be treated like that. Nobody. It's just Adam Goods all over again. I just don't understand when will well, people it's, learn. Well, it's not because Adam Goods was vilified and treated bullied appallingly after he became Australian of the Year and spoke beautifully on behalf of his people. Um, people didn't like that and they didn't understand it and racists attacked him. But Eddie Betts has never even done that. I mean, it's just it. I mean, Adam Goods was equally bad, I know, but um, that was really sad. It's really sad that it's happened to him every year of his career. It's great that people are calling it out. It's great that Essendon are going to try and track down the supporter, and it was an Essendon supporter who did it. Yeah, I hope we hear, the, hear I, the I result thought that of that. When the Richmond and Collingwood players ran out in black t-shirts, that was a pretty powerful statement to mm. me, and I love it that no one actually sort of said anything. But they just, the, the symbolism of their actions, how you couldn't have liked that, 
How there was any issue with it, I do not know. I love the fact the umpires did it. Everybody involved with the teams did it. The AFL supported it. And Patrick Dangerfield, I think, explained it so well on 3AW on Saturday as to why it was important and why footballers did have a role in mm. making social statements. Well, it's so, the great thing about sport, when sport rises above and beyond the game itself. It's speaking brilliant. of which, Corrie, don't forget our special footy tips episode, which... Oh. I know. We both had a shocker. Absolute <laughs> shocker. In fact, I don't know who had a worse one. Jane will tell oh, us. Oh, I had the worst one. But now for Red Energy, and remember you call 131806 for real Aussie energy, you have a crush. Can I just say that we are joining Red Energy, so I've sent... Uh I've sent Mr. Oh, Corey you, you off personally? to... Yes, he's oh. going. he's ringing Red Energy this week, wow. actually, as a result of our podcast. Wow. Not my nagging, so that's pretty good. I don't know who he speaks to there, but he'll find someone on 131806. And I told him to say, Caro and Corey sent him. And he said, what does that mean? Are they going to know who you are? I went, oh, maybe not, but... <laughs> oh, they totally will know who we okay, are. Okay, my crush of the week, Caro, is Michelle... I don't know your surname, Michelle. You work at Rockbank Nursery, which is just near Melton. And Michelle, you saved my eldest daughter last Sunday morning by killing the huntsman spider, which had appeared on her sun visor while she was driving back to Ballarat from Melbourne in the fast lane. The spider caused her to have a panic attack, but thank God she thought, well, if I just stop or swerve, I'll kill myself because the traffic, as we know, Jane, is well above 100 on that road. And she pulled over to the side of the freeway and jumped out. She rang her husband, Charlie, in Ballarat. Uh, he was Actually, sorry, he was on the phone. This was even more terrifying. I found this out just yesterday. She was on the phone to him when this happened and she started screaming, spider, spider. And on he Bluetooth, thought, I hope. And Yeah, yeah. And he thought she was saying, fire, fire. So, of course, he was at home with the little kids. She'd been in Melbourne for a girls' night and stayed at our place. And he thought she was saying, fire, fire. So you can imagine his stress. So anyway, once she'd established it was a spider and she was hysterical on the side of the road, she then called the police don't laugh. She called Triple O. Apparently the Triple O person was really good, said to her, make sure that you stay on the side of the road, uh, you know, where there's the nature strip. Don't go anywhere near the freeway and everything. Got onto the local police who said, not our problem. We're very busy, madam. Um, Can I suggest you call your husband or your mother? Thank you, Constabulary, for that. So yeah, I'm in. So I'm in the shop. I'm in the shop on Sunday morning, and I, and I get a call from Checker who's crying, and said the police had told me to call you because there's a spider on my visor. And I said, well, I don't quite know what you want me to do, but just call Charlie. Look, don't get back in the car because I was terrified she was going to walk around into the, you know, or I don't know. I was just terrified she was going to jump onto the road in fear. Anyway. After she called Charlie and myself, and Charlie had got the little girls in the car in Ballarat to come down and pick her up an hour from Ballarat, she walked up the road to the Rockbank Nursery, and this lovely girl, Michelle, said, oh, I'll give you a hand. 
So she came down and caught the spider, killed it. Francesca has subsequently sent her a big box of chocolates, but spoke to her yesterday and she said, yeah, she came back to the nursery and her mum, I think, owns it or works there with her. And her mum said, where have you been? And she said, oh, this poor girl, you know, she had a spider and I went and killed it. And the mother said, Michelle, you hate spiders. You're terrified (laughs) of them. She said, I know, but I had to rise to the occasion. So So we just love her. So Michelle is the crush. Of course. Michelle well, from the, the Rock Bank Nursery. <laughs> not the police. Well, I wondered if it not was Michael. No, Francesca. No, Francesca is not. No, Francesca. Anyway, I, I, in our GLT segment, Cara, I want to ask you about spiders because I know you have a rather funny story about spiders and GLT. But I think it's in quick questions, in fact, looking down the rundown. Oh, is it? Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I know that we were going to talk about spiders. Um, so thank you, Michelle, for saving my daughter. And thank you, Red Energy, for supporting that little segment. BSF, you have a book. I do. Um, my guilty pleasure is Marion Keys. I, look, I just love Marion Keys. You don't have Keys. to be guilty. She's becoming a little less chiclet and a little more literary. So it's okay to say that she's not a guilty pleasure. Well, it's she's my guilty pleasure. And she's I just so sweet. I've Keys. seen her interviewed. Her new book, Grown Ups, um, which Anna from the Op Shop lent me, is just. It's just a great read. Um, I, it was like my best friend. You know how books become your best friend for about over a week because it's a big book. It's She probably once in a while could do with a bit of an edit, the old Marion, but her stories are wonderful. This is a story about three brothers, the Casey brothers. It's set around Dublin. It's just, a, you know, I, I think um, it, it tackles a lot of issues, infidelity, um, bereavement, small business, big business, so Bulimia. they're three adult bu- brothers, Bulimia, and yeah. their wives. Yeah, three three brothers and their wives, and all ha- you know they they seem like the happy family. They go away every family occasion, like weddings, birthdays. Oh, sorry, not weddings, anniversaries. Um, they they go away or they have lavish family gatherings. And um, one particular sister in law, Jessie, who's sort of the matriarch of the family, organises them. She's the wealthy one, but there's the undercurrent of financial pressure. On she and her husband, um, there is a there is a bulimia thread of the story that is, I'm told, having never suffered from bulimia, but I'm told, is incredibly well done by Marion, and there's there's drinking issues, and Marion herself, I think, is a she's said that she's an alcoholic, or she had to give up drinking a long time ago, and she deals with alcoholism in Rachel's Holiday, one of my favourites. Angels was another fantastic one. Watermelon, sushi for beginners. The list goes on. But Grown Ups is, oh, it's a wonderful read. We sold so many copies of Grown Ups during lockdown. Did you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not And surprised. we recommended her a lot because a lot of people were coming in and saying, I can't really read anything too heavy, but I want a good read. And she's so reliable like that. Yeah. Well, if you, if you ever want to get... Um, Travel Envy or the section of their, their week in Tuscany when um, one of the characters, Nell, I think it is, and her step-nephew, I suppose, and that's an interesting relationship, go to the Uffizi Gallery. I mean, it is it just, you just it makes you so desperate to get back to Italy, but it's a wonderful, wonderful read. I really enjoyed it. That's Grown Ups. Now, Corrie, Screen is all yours. Yep, SBS On Demand, zero, zero, zero. An oh. eight-part series. Never heard of it. Oh, gosh. You and Brendan would love this. You loved Narcos, didn't you? Yeah, well, yeah. Brendan did. Yeah. I haven't really watched much of it. Yeah. Well, this is this has a bit more of a family drama behind it than that. And it's based around the moving of a cocaine shipment from its origins in Mexico 
to Italy where a powerful mafia family has purchased or is about to purchase the stock, uh, but other mafia families and individuals are vying for their sales. So we go from the buyers of the cocaine, which is this Italian mafia family family in Calabria, and dare I say, if you want um, if you want travel envy, the the views of Calabria are just absolutely stunning. And then you've got this, you have the sellers, which is the Mexican car, Mexican cartels, but also a couple of army officials who have gone to the other side, which is interesting in itself. And then you have the brokers, which is this American shipping family, the Linwood family, which is headed up by patriarch Gabriel Byrne, who we love. Oh, just having watched him Miller's Crossing a few weeks ago. Oh, so this is full of double crosses, violent gunfights, sabotage, a bit of old-fashioned mafia, torture, um, and... Gabrielle Byrne heads up a terrific cast, many of whom I'm not familiar with because they are Italian actors and Mexican or South American actors. But Gabrielle Byrne's daughter, who is kind of like the she she's overseeing this cocaine shipment, is Andrea Risborough, who you will know, Carol. You'll know her face, but yep, I didn't I know, know her, her name. Yep. Yeah, she was in Never Let Me Go, Brighton Rock. Um, she played Maggie Thatcher in that wonderful. Disappeared actually, long walk to Finchley ages ago as a young Maggie Thatcher. And her brother Chris, who's played played by Dane DeHaan, and as I said, supported by a strong cast. Um, so uh, the interesting thing was when I was walking with Anna from the op shop, she has also seen zero, zero, zero. She must think I'm nutty because I said, I really love the way we go back and forth in time. It's so interesting. It's You've got to really focus. And I realised after having my conversation with Anna that I had what we had watched episode two first. Oh. <laughs> so whizzing through the Netflix, the others, uh, the SBS on demand, we've just gone. Plip, yep. So we're right in the thick of the action, trying to piece it together, and then realised our mistake and went back to. So anyway, and you went, oh, isn't this clever the way it goes back? Oh, it's actually the first episode. Well, Anna must ah. have been walking with me, thinking, oh yeah, it wasn't that much back and forth. But anyway, there you go. So that was it. Zero zero zero. On SBS On Demand. And what's your recipe? I must say I am enjoying Operation Buffalo on the ABC on Sunday nights. I reckon that's a fantastic... A lot of blood there. Yeah, I know. But it's a great story and very, very cleverly done. Some really good performances. Um, Now, oh yeah, this is a recipe I picked up out of last weekend's Sunday Australian magazine. Don't like all of the Australian, but I love their weekend review and I love their magazine, particularly their recipes. This is a very simple recipe. My is this brother, one that not by that nice David man. Um, David, yeah, is I it don't David, actually, not David Henry. What's yeah, his name? Um, David, David Herbert. Yeah, David, David Herbert. Well done. He's gone Moroccan this week, and Kel, our friend Kel, this is a very simple recipe. The thing about winter curry and these tough times, the chicken chop is your friend, and you know if the recipe says it. You need a whole chicken and cut it up into eight or use Maryland's or use breast, use um, Kiev pieces, chicken chops. They're the thigh, but they're on the bone, um, so they keep that beautiful moist. I use them in my chicken cacciatore, actually, on Saturday night. They're great for chicken cacciatore. Mm. They're great for curries. This is called harissa baked chicken. There's only about six ingredients. It is so quick and so simple. Um, and this is what you need, harissa paste and red wine vinegar, which you basically get your chicken pieces and rub it through, the harissa paste and the red wine vinegar. You also chuck in two medium red onions quartered, 
two small zucchinis cut into thin slices, and you just all of that just chuck it in the oven on one eighty. Oh, and roast it, and then in the last ten minutes, you add um, those roasted capsicum pieces, and you don't have to do it yourself in the oven and blister them and put them in the paper bag and all that stuff. Just buy them in a jar, put in the roasted capsicum pieces, whole blanched almonds. I actually think it's better to roast them first because they don't really roast enough in the recipe, and then take it out of the oven and put a whole lot of chopped parsley over it and serve with lemon wedges. A very simple. Yum. And then there's a recipe for herby couscous, but we did it with um, risoni last night Mm, and 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 just a, a leftover salad. We got every single green thing left in the fridge, a bit of old celery, a bit of old fennel, the previous night's salad, a bit of old cabbage, which we mandolined. It was a very nice salad, Corrie. Oh. It was very nice dinner. <laughs> so, the times of Corona, you're just using everything in Harissa that little baked, veggie box. Harissa baked chicken. Do it's you think ri- Kel Arlen minds that we've kind of put her in the pigeonhole? Of- Made her the poster girl for simple <laughs> cooking. <laughs> I'm sure well, you're a very good cook, Kel, and you can do. Well, it stuff. was it was lo- way back in those non-corona I feel we're times. Being a bit mean. When I, I was up in Sydney for the Sport Australia for the yeah the AIS Australian Institute of Sport the Sports Commission Media Awards and Kel's husband Andrew Ireland, who's on the um, I think he's on the board he's is on the board former Sydney Swans boss bailed me up not to say. You know who's Love going to win or oh, whatever. Oh, um, Kelly says your recipes are too complicated. <laughs> so it's Kelly, blame your husband. Anyway, that was BSF for Red Energy, powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy. Call one three one eight zero six for real Aussie energy. As Corrie's husband Pete is about to do, a Melbourne-based team will help you out. As Corrie is going to find out, tell them Caro and Corrie sent you, which may or may not have any. Power and weight whatsoever, we don't know, but let's see what happens. Caro, you are grumpy about something. Well, I'm grumpy about a few things, and um, I did mention this the other night on Footy Classified, but I'm just so disappointed that Sam Newman has chosen to rant about Australian footballers taking a knee, that he's saying that they're preening, that he's saying they don't understand what they're doing. Sam, you don't understand this major brotherhood movement by the players and therefore you bag it and then you turn up on the Sunday footy show as this um, in, in a garage interviewing Kevin Bartlett as this great footy man and you know um, a venerable sort of lovely trusted old character and it's those sort of social media rants that Sam embarks on that I reckon empower the sort of attacks that happen to people like Eddie Betts. I'm sure there's a link I don't like it and I just wish that he would show a bit more love for the game and a bit less bitterness. So that's what I'm grumpy about. Take that, Sam. Now it's time for six quick questions. Corrie, what annoys you in the age of social distancing? Caro, I'm a huge fan of social distancing. Let me just start by saying that. Uh, And I'm terrified of a second wave, as they call it. But there are some people, such as supermarket employees, who are taking their vigilance of the public's movement through their shopping centre to a really bad extreme. What's wrong with showing showing some good old-fashioned manners when somebody walks in the wrong entrance, not following the arrows, forgetting... Is that you? Might be. (laughs) Forgetting which way is which and just rushing in and go, oh, terribly sorry, sorry, but this vigilante is bossing you 
please don't do that again. We have the signs on that you should be looking like, okay, I'm really sorry. I'm just so sorry. The power of a smile. Oh, there's so much and a nice. Well, yeah, I'm I just, I'm just sick of people much. being officious for the sake of being officious. Anyway, that's how I feel. Caro, former Channel 10 CEO, and of course we loved him on Gruen, Russell Howcroft, has been named the new co-host of 3OW's breakfast program. He replaces Lunchy, John Burns, who's retiring after probably 20 years on that show. Who's going to uh, – Russell's going to sit beside uh, – what's his name? Ross Stevenson. Ross Stevenson. How do you reckon he's going to go? I think it's an inspired choice. Oh, it's one do of the, you? It's one of the biggest media appointments. Did you knock them back? One of the biggest – no, it wasn't – not my go, and nor was I offered it, but it was one – it would be one of the biggest media appointments in Australia – this year and for several years. I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time Ross and John lost a survey or Ross and, Ross and Dean before them. Uh, he's just, you know, he's Dean a... Dean Banks, one of the finest voices in radio. He had a beautiful radio. voice, didn't oh, he? Ross is, a, Ross is an Australian media phen- phenomenon. His brain is just absolutely brilliant. The formula of that breakfast show is just a tried and true and a brilliant formula, never loses. And it'll be in, the interesting... Part of it will be um, that um, Ross sort of runs the show at the moment and John is his foil and it works really, really well and more so as John has got older. But I feel that it'll be interesting to see how the dynamics change mm-hmm. with Russell. Look, you know, I'm a big fan of Kate Stevenson and I would have loved her. And I think she and Ross are great on the movable feast on a Saturday and she comes on the show a lot and fills in on the show a lot. Um, there's probably a view at 3AW that she's not ready yet for that job. And I think I often hear that about female appointments. You know, um, Fox Footy have just announced a new male caller, Mark Howard, onto their team. I would have liked them to have had a crack at a woman caller. They always say they're not ready. But I think it's an inspired choice. Get and ready, everyone. Get with the 21st century. Russell Howcroft century. is a very likeable person and he's got a great brain as well. So I think it's a good choice. Zara Corrie is closing 1,200 stores globally. Where do they sit for you as a fashion choice? Uh, not not up there, Carol. I must say I don't go to Zara locally, but I have to say that in my days of international travel, you'll often find a Zara store in a really particularly convenient spot. Well, you're still accusing me of taking those stripy Zara pants, remember, at mm. Zara Home? In Chelsea. We both looked at them together. There's no way they would have fitted you. They would have been way too big. Oh, don't be silly. <laughs> they were mine anyway. You snatched them out of my hand and you were in that dressing room they before were, I could say, They Oi. were 15 quid. Seriously. <laughs> well, now they're in your cupboard. <laughs> uh, but, it, but it is interesting, last year going into that... Um, Zara Chelsea with you and also there's one in Milan that's not far from the cathedral. The one in Rome is great. They just seem to be dotted in really convenient spots and so because you're on holiday and you have time and because usually, well not not usually, it's always a different season in the the Northern Hemisphere (laughs) but usually you can pick up bargains. You know, there's winter stock, old winter stock but it's summer there, it's winter here so you get these amazing bargains. I love them but the reason I was devastated to read this 1200 stores closing is that apparently their online went crackers as you can imagine during uh, lockdown, international lockdown and so of course Zara has looked at its, its massive retail holding, all the rent it's paying around the world and they've gone... 
we don't need to do this anymore. So I hope they don't get rid of some of those lovely stores that I like to visit. Yes, I must if say, a member, of our, again. a member of our household walked in the other day in a lovely faux Zara leather jacket that I suspect was purchased online, a blazer, long one. You would have absolutely loved it. Similar to your suede one, same shape but black leather. Yeah, which has oh. no lining. It was so cheap. It has no lining, but it's oh, the best they, coat ever. They look but fantastic. Can I just say also, it, the best way to get a feel for Zara is to watch Trini Woodall's uh, Trini on Instagram because she does, often she she does a, a video where she walks into Zara. She probably does it once a month and goes through the new range of stuff and pick, pick, select, select. And it just opens up your eyes to what you can do, you know, this goes with that. So that's a really good tip. Uh, Caro, there have been announcements over the weekend regarding further easing of lockdown restrictions. What are you most looking forward to doing in the next wave? Well, we've talked about going to the cinema. It goes without saying that that's number one, but I am looking forward to going back to a pub and having a drink. And not having to order food. Oh, come on. I mean, it's just As a lovely thing to do. haven't drunk enough no, in the last ten oh, weeks. Have I? What, really? <laughs> really? Is this, are you alcohol shaming me? No, it's not. It's not to do with that. It's to do with going out and sitting down and meeting a girlfriend or a mate. You and meet just, girlfriends at the pub. Of course. Well, don't you? No, I go to a coffee shop. I'm just interested in. What, you've never been for a girl's drink? You've she never is. been for a glass of wine oh, at a bar? Oh, occasionally, but I would never instigate it. Although you and I have said we're going to visit our local. That is the <laughs> load of codswallop. You have never... the Corrie, I would we, not go to a pub and sit on a bar stool. I'm, to, I'm not talking about necessarily a pub, a, a wine a wine bar or oh, a yeah, restaurant. Oh, yeah, well, a wine bar. We often, the menopause bar. Oh, no, I don't go Corrie, to that anymore. Too often many menopausal for, women. Well... I can't speak. Everyone listening will understand this, and you, you're just lying. So I'm not even going to. I'm not even going to give that any countenance. But we have groups who meet for a drink, and you're part of them. So I don't know why you're denying it. And it's so lovely to go out and have a drink. It's just so nice, and not just for an hour. Not have to order food. Not have to have a set menu. No, you're absolutely I'm right really about looking that. Forward and, to that. And I have to say, in all seriousness, the pubs and wine bars of Melbourne have are really, really doing it tough at the moment, and. As cafes are opening up, they're still having problems convincing their state government. Hopefully that will lift very soon. Um, now, oh, I can't believe you've put this in. What's your current recurring dream? Well, you know how I have It's a passion. sad day when we talk about dreams. No, we, did, we did it a few weeks ago. I know, I, I have, know, I, I have, know. I go through phases. I have recurring dreams, but they, they sort of come in waves. So, uh, you know, the one I'm having at the moment was sparked by a conversation on the weekend about my year 12, then known as HSC. And every night since I have been having these massive dreams and they usually involve the exams at the end of the year. And I have friends who went to university, Caro, who say that they have university recurring exam dreams. Oh, but God, I didn't, I go, have, I have I didn't HS, go to uni. I have yeah. HSC exams. <laughs> yeah, so my, so my nearest touchstone for exams is HSC year 12. And the one I had last night was, and this happens quite a lot, is that the English teacher is saying, you failed the October test, which was actually true, dare I say. How did she become a journalist, one would ask. I failed the October test. The English teacher is saying to me, you have four weeks and you haven't read any of the books. What are you doing? And I'm crying, saying, I've got a job. I run a shop. I have three children. I haven't got the time to read the books. Well, you've got to read the books. You know, Romeo and Juliet haven't read it. I, Carol, it is so 
ingrained in my spirit and soul, this terrifying incident. Isn't it the best feeling when you wake up and it's not true? Thank God. It's absolutely Thank God fantastic. for daylight. That's all I can say. Caro, have you ever had a spider in your car and what did you do? Yes, I have. This is a Dorothy Dixer because I completely know this story. Yeah, well, well, I was driving down Clarendon Street, South Melbourne, driving home from work and it was dark and I looked up on my windscreen and there was a massive great huntsman on my – it was the most terrifying experience of my life. Oh, what did I – I pulled over. No. Well, did I, did I flick no, it out it, of the car? Can I just say, I don't think it was entirely dark because the gentleman who you happen to know who were at the pub in Clarendon That's right. Street – That's right. Do you want me to take over your question? <laughs> I forgot that. I pulled over. And, and they it, saw you jumping around screaming like an idiot. Was it Jim Wilson? I yeah. Think it was Jim Wilson. <laughs> Jim Wilson. That's right. I've, I'd actually forgotten that. I pulled over at the pub on the corner of I Clarendon. I didn't think you pulled over. And he was walking out of the pub and I said, there's a spider in my car. It was just the most fortuitous. He's just got a new radio gig too, I think. Oh, I love Jim Replacing Wilson. Replacing um, Ben Fordham on 2GB Drive, who's going to Alan Jones's slot. Oh, okay. So Jim's doing Drive, I think, up well, in Sydney. Good on him. On 2GB. Very fond of Jim. He's such a friendly chap. And he helped. Did he help you with your spider? He didn't because he's scared <laughs> of spiders as well. That's Honestly, right. where's Michelle from Rockback oh, when you need her? I actually can't remember. I just can't. couldn't even remember oh, The way that. you told the story, you you just stopped the car in the middle of the road and you jumped out. Yeah, I did. I jumped out. I think I actually pulled over, but I was the wrong way. And he was coming out of the pub. And okay, Miss Jane, this is when we do our public announcement. To anybody, any of our listeners who may have a huntsman in their car, may we suggest that you hold on to your nerve and pull over until you can get out of the car safely? I think Jim was completely hopeless, as I recall, sympathetic but hopeless. And we ended up not being able to find the spider and I just had to drive home in the absolute terror that it might have still been in the car. It is, uh, and I'm not even that scared of spiders. I'm pretty good with spiders. I know what I was going to say before, Caro, about spiders and GLT. I have some GLT, in our GLT episode, I actually have some suggestions about how you can keep spiders out of your car. Well, make sure you're listening to our GLT episode, which you're going to hear on Saturday. But that's the show, thanks to Red Energy. Call 131806 for real Aussie energy. Thanks, Red Energy. Thank you for your feedback and comments. Please send feedback, comments, tips and suggestions to the Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Don't Shoot Pod. And you can email us feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Thank you, Miss Jane. Don't forget our footy tips episode also coming up. And Corrie, don't shoot the messenger, Caro, or the spider. If you love an insightful podcast, Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series is for you. Real estate, cooking, parenting, home design, plus the sport of gardening with Dale Vine. I never thought I'd say it, Jane, but compost is on trend at the moment. It is uh, <laughs> it is as cool as a hairstyle by Dustin Martin, I can tell you. Powered by Snowy Hydro, a leader in renewable energy, switch to Aussie-owned Red Energy today. Red Energy's podcast lifestyle series, available wherever you get your podcasts and the SEN app.